Thanks for joining me here on Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, the founder of Bare Bones Yoga. I'm a yoga teacher with over 15 years of experience, a certified personal trainer, and an entrepreneur. My mission is to help yoga teachers transform their teaching by mastering the fundamentals of anatomy. By learning anatomy in my easy step-by-step way, you'll be able to confidently share it in your cues, easily create sequences, and you'll eagerly answer student questions. And all along the way, you'll increase your impact and earning potential. On the podcast here, you will hear anatomy lessons, stories from teachers, interviews with others in the field, and a dose of personal development. Once you listen to today's episode, go ahead and visit barebonesyoga.com, my website, for free resource guides for teachers. Download any and all that are there, including one of my most popular tools, my sequence building template. And if you'd like, send me a one-line email with the answer to this question. What's your biggest frustration right now as a yoga teacher? And I'm happy to do some brainstorming with you in a free coaching session. My email address is karen at barebonesyoga.com. Thanks for taking the time to listen today. Let's get to today's episode. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, and this is episode 208. So I am recording this on September 15th, 2022, and this will go live on September 19th because, you know, I always post new episodes on Mondays. So I hope that all is going well with you. I am just loving the Boston weather these days. So if you live in and around Massachusetts, the Boston area, you know that as soon as it turned into September, the switch flipped and it became fall. And it is just absolutely fabulous outside. Um, One thing I will note about getting outside, and if you are an avid listener to the Huberman Lab podcast, like I am, you know that Dr. Huberman talks about the positive effects on our hormones and circadian rhythms and neurotransmitters, just the positive effects of getting outside every morning as a reset to your system, a reset of sorts. And I'm lucky enough to have a dog, which forces me to go outside every morning. And this time of year, it's just beautiful. Now this holds true for any time of year. So I would definitely say, try to make, if you don't have a reason to go outside in the morning, try to make an excuse to go outside every morning and get some sunlight. He even talks about how it doesn't work. If you're in the house, looking outside, it only works if you're outside So he actually drinks his morning coffee outside is what he said. So I would definitely try to get yourself outside every day and see uh, how it affects you from just an overall health and wellness perspective. So here we are, we're in the middle of September. As I am recording this on this Thursday, um, the 15th, I am getting ready to do the second of my workshops I am running this workshop two times. If you listened to last week's episode, you heard me talking about this workshop on how to easily build sequences your students will love and how to confidently share cues. And so today at two o'clock, I'm doing the second showing, I guess you could say, of that workshop. And of course, by the time you're listening to this episode, I will be done with that. So if you missed it and you want to learn more about how to build these two important skills, especially if you are a new yoga teacher, just send me a DM on Instagram or send me an email and I'll set up a one-on-one session with you. Now you may think, well, Karen, why don't you just send me the replay? Well, you know what? I'm sort of done with replays. Um, And the reason is if you really want to get the most out of something, you need to show up for it. And it really demonstrates a showing up on your part and a showing up on the part of the person who's sharing the information. And it's a much more active learning process. Now, I have 
online content. And I am all about using leveraging online content as a way to um, expand and grow. However, I, I sort of feel like in this new Zoom era, we're kind of leaning on, quote unquote, watch the replay way too much. And in order for us to grow and push ourselves as yoga teachers into new areas, challenge our self-limiting beliefs, um, it's really helpful when you show up live, not only for yourself, but for the benefit that you will get out of it. And, you know, honestly, <laughs> I had a teacher the other day email me and say, I can't make the workshop. And so I wrote back and I said, no problem. Oh, well, the person said, I can't make the workshop. Can I have the replay? And I wrote back and I said, you know, I'm actually not doing uh, replays. I'm happy to set up a time with you to go over the information. And the person just vanished, never wrote me back. And I sort of feel like it's because people are just really blown away by my offer to spend my time in a one-on-one -on -one session with them. And you need to know if you get an email, email like that from me, it's because I really care. I really care. And I really want to learn more about you and help you. It's not for any kind of nefarious reason, or I'm trying to manipulate you or or anything along those lines. And I sometimes feel like people don't respond because number one, they're blown away by the offer for one-on-one -on -one time. And number two, I feel like they're afraid it's that I'm going to try to sell them something. And you need to know that I don't sell anything. Yes, I have products that you can invest in, but I don't think of it as selling. I think of it as if there is an opportunity for you, if you are looking to grow and learn, and if I have something that can help you do that, I'm going to offer that to you. You always have the choice to say no. That's entirely up to you. And there's no way that if I get on the phone with someone and I hear that they're struggling and I have a way to help them, I'm not going to miss an opportunity to share that with you. So I, I want... I want to bring that up, number one, to, to let you know how I operate and what part of my mission is, a big part of my mission is, and that at the heart of it, it's all because I get such joy out of watching yoga teachers have light bulb moments. And I talked about this yesterday in the workshop, light bulb moments are when you realize something as a result of a conversation that we are having together, whether that's something I'm sharing about anatomy or something I'm sharing about self-limiting beliefs or business skills for yoga teachers, whatever it is. And when I see your eyes light up and you say something like, oh my God, I never realized that that's a light bulb moment. And you'll have these, if you haven't already, moments with your students where you explain something to them, maybe how to do a particular posture, or you share something about anatomy and they look at you and they're like, oh my God, I will never think about that pose the same way again. And that's a light bulb moment for your students. And so this is really a huge part of why I love what I do and why I am so hell bent on getting the word out to as many teachers as possible about the kinds of conversations that I feel are so valuable for teachers to have. And those are the kinds of conversations I lead in the workshops that I offer, in the coaching sessions I have with yoga teachers, as part of the coaching sessions that are uh, involved in the, the, uh, the program that I offer, the Blueprint Learning Program. So that's, that's all about that. That was a little bit of a, <laughs> of a sidebar conversation. Uh, however, it, it's, it's just something I wanted to share. And so again, if you're looking for that information on queuing and sequencing, couldn't make the workshop, just send me a, an email or DM me on Instagram and I'll set up that one-on-one -on -one call with you. So today, what I wanted to do, I, I had a sort of epiphany uh, this morning because I knew I wanted to record the, uh, a new episode and I was thinking about a topic. And one of the things that came up in the workshop I taught yesterday that will again come up 
in, in redoing it today or reoffering it today is the concept of how to connect with your students. And it's an interesting topic because when you think about one of the qualities of effective yoga teachers, teachers that you really like, teachers whose classes you go to and you leave and, and you think, wow, that was a really good class. One of the things that that teacher is able to do well is connect with you, build a sense of connection. It's not necessarily um, building a sense of belonging or inclusivity, although of course that's sort of baked in. It's more, um, and it's, I don't even know that it's even a sense of, you know, as people say, being seen. It's more how that teacher comes across that really lands on you in a way that you feel you are able as a student to do what they're suggesting, to feel it in your body, all of those kinds of, of somatic kind of sensations. And so when this came up in the workshop yesterday, I thought this would make a really good topic, you know, and I sort of wish we could have a round table on it. Maybe I'll do a workshop in the future about it. This idea of what makes good connection? How do you build good connection? And in today's episode here, I'm going to share with you some of the ways that I think you can, or I know you can build connection with your students. And so maybe to start out, you can even pause this audio, ask yourself, how can you build connection with your students? How are you building good connection with your students? Are you building good connection with your students? Do you feel like you're connecting with your students? And the reason that I think this is an interesting topic to discuss is because I know that part of what makes a really great teacher is the ability to connect, I think one of the aspects of connection, it can be sort of classified as a soft skill. So by that, I mean, it's not like I'm saying, if you learn this skill, you will earn more as a yoga teacher, or if you learn this skill, you can charge higher rates meaning there isn't a tangible connection to a tangible result that you could potentially draw from the ability to connect as a teacher to a tangible outcome. Now, having said that, <laughs> what I would um, propose is that you really can draw a line, maybe it's a bit of a dotted line to that tangible result because you know that, and I know that when you have, when there is a teacher who is able to connect well with their students, they will be successful in ways that shows up in tangible objective ways. The classes will be bigger, the, the students will be you know, more um, routinely coming to their classes, so regular students. They'll, as a teacher, develop a sense of confidence around their teaching. They'll be more confident around setting their rates higher, asking uh, for their worth, creating opportunities. I mean, it's sort of a, not a downhill thing. It's sort of a, a, a snowball kind of rolling down the hill where it's building momentum. So there definitely is, I believe, a connection to a tangible outcome from something like building better connection with your students, which again, sort of sounds like a soft skill, but I want you to keep in mind that it's, it is something that can lead to really tangible results for you, which means that it's really important that you have a good understanding of what are the factors in building better connection with your, with your students. And so if you did pause the audio and you did think of a few things that you're currently doing, that's awesome. If you heard the question, you were sort of stumped, that's okay. I'm gonna give you some ideas to get kind of your thoughts going. So the, the number 
I'm, I don't want to say the number one thing. I made a list of a number of things. So the first thing I, I put down was to share the benefit of the poses. <laughs> now, this may sound sort of obvious. However, I want you to think about, you know, when you're teaching, are you giving your students an idea of the benefit of the postures they're doing? Now, this might not be something you're doing every single posture. You know, again, we only have limited time for the cues that we're sharing. And the majority of the cues that we share are instructional, meaning we are um, telling them how to do it. Step your foot forward, drop your back heel, reach your arms up, center your hips, hug your thighs together, whatever the cue is. So the majority of the time that we're spending is, is usually wrapped up in telling them how to get into the posture. But keep in mind, sharing the benefit of the pose is a way to build connection because it allows your students to make the connection between the instruction that you're giving them and the value. And for many students, they don't know the benefit of these postures. They're just sort of doing them in this way of doing, right? Like, almost like checking it off your to-do list, just doing the pose. And so the more you can share about the benefit of the posture, which of course lies not just in, but a very large part of the benefit of the pose is connected to anatomy, the structural benefit, the structural impact and so this is where your knowledge of movement and anatomy is key. And if you don't know that, it's going to be hard for you to share the benefit. So this is another reason to really invest in learning anatomy if you feel that this is an area where you're weak. So the second thing is to have a cohesive theme to your class. You know, one of the ways to build connection when you have a cohesive theme is you're essentially communicating with your students through the sequence that you share. If your sequence is disjointed, if there's no real cohesiveness to the point you're trying to get across in the sequence, then the student experience will be also disjointed and they'll leave not really understanding, well, what was sort of the point of that? Now, you can clarify this by simply telling them at the beginning of class, here's what we're going to work on today. Here's the overall theme of this class. I do that almost every time that I teach my online classes. And if you've been to my online classes, you know that I typically make a statement at the beginning of class that reiterates the title. If you look on my website and sign up for my virtual classes, you'll see I have several class themes. And so at the beginning of each online class, I typically reiterate, well, here's the theme of today's class. And here's a little bit about what that theme is and what the benefit is to you. And so you can do that. I mean, I sort of feel like sometimes teachers get wrapped up in, well, how am I going to let the students know about X? And it's like, well, just talk to them, <laughs> just tell them. No, I recently, um, this is a bit of a sidebar, but it was so poignant when I saw the post, I, I want to comment on it. And it relates to what I'm talking about here in terms of just communicating. I recently saw a post in a Facebook group by a teacher who said that, and she didn't share why, but she said that for some medical reason, she was recently confined to a wheelchair. I don't want to say confined. She was recently wheelchair dependent. <clears throat> she did not say why, and she did not say if it was permanent or temporary. And she said that obviously, I mean, she didn't say obviously, but I'm saying obviously she was very um, affected by this, upset by this. <clears throat> and in regards to her teaching, she felt like she was just going to have to give up teaching because how could she possibly teach vinyasa classes as a teacher in a wheelchair? And in fact, in her gym classes, her students needed her to practice with them because, and maybe not, maybe she said demo, because um, that was what they were used to. Or she, I think she said something along the lines of 
her gym students needed her to demo. That was the best way that they could learn something along those lines. And so there were a number of comments. I mean, it's obviously a very poignant post and, and I'm sure a very traumatic situation for this person. And so there were lots of comments to the post. And I typically do not read comments to Facebook posts because if I'm going to comment, I, I want to just come from an authentic place. I don't want to be influenced by anyone else. And I certainly don't want to disparage anybody else's perspective that they're sharing. However, I did, my eye glanced and caught one of the most recent posts and the person wrote, teach chair yoga. This is a perfect opportunity for you to teach chair yoga. And I thought, what the hell? I didn't think what the hell I thought something worse. No, don't teach chair yoga. Not that there's anything wrong with chair yoga. Teach yoga. Keep teaching yoga. The fact that you're in a wheelchair, yes, I'm sure is very upsetting to you, but your tool as a teacher is your voice. And what we're talking about here, friends, the ability to connect with your students is coming from your voice in a large way. It's not even really coming from your body. And it certainly is not coming from you demoing for them or practicing with them. Yeah, every once in a while, maybe, but I think for longtime listeners, you know how I feel about practicing with class. I really, really try to avoid doing that. As a matter of fact, I, I, I don't want to say I never practice with class, but I really try to avoid doing it. Maybe a quick demo here or there. And I really encourage teachers not to do it. So in this case, I mean, this teacher was basically looking, wondering if she couldn't teach. And, and when I saw that one suggestion and I saw there were like 58 comments to the post, I thought, oh my God, if everybody is discouraging this woman from continuing to teach yoga because she is now in a wheelchair and encouraging her to do something else like chair yoga, no. So I responded and I said, look, you keep teaching yoga this is a huge opportunity for you to use your voice in a more powerful way than you already are to build connection with your students by walking them through the practice, through the cues. And as far as your gym students, don't worry about it. You know, yes, you've created a bit of a dependency. However, that can be changed. And in regards to what I was saying before about just talking to your students, that's what I said to this woman, just tell them, just say, Hey, As you can tell, I am now in a wheelchair. I know in, you know, the classes that we've done in the past, I've done some demoing for all of you. I'm not going to be able to do that now. However, this is a huge opportunity for you to really come more deeply into the practice. I am here to guide you through it by sharing really good, solid cues that are going to coach you through the practice. Just talk to them. I mean, there's no fourth wall here, you know, in acting, they say the fourth wall, when you break the fourth wall, there's no fourth wall here, even though the style of teaching yoga is you're talking and they're not, that doesn't mean that you can't talk to them like regular people, right. As they are. So that's what I mean about, you know, when you have a theme for your class, you talk to your class about what that theme is as a precursor, then you teach the class, it all melts together. That's a great way to build connection with them. The third thing is one of my biggest uh, suggestions here to build connection with your class. And that is the following, use clear cues, use clear cues. The more you muddy the waters, with endless talking, the more you muddy the waters with esoteric cues, you know, meaning words that they only know if they have specialized knowledge of yoga or anatomy, the harder it's going to be for you to build connection because they're going to be thinking, what the hell is this person talking about? What the hell are they trying to get me to do? So the clearer you can be, the more connection you will build. Now, when you come to the workshop or if you came to the workshop, um, obviously I'm having it the second one today, but you're listening to this next week. So if you came to the workshop last week, you heard about the types of cues. 
again, if you miss the workshop, book a time with me and I'll run you through the information. Um, in order to share clear cues, number one, you've got to understand the why behind the cue. You cannot clearly share a cue that you cannot defend. And by defend, I mean explain. If you are just rattling off some, rattling off some cue that you were told to say in training or you picked up off of YouTube or you heard in someone else's class, don't bother because you can't explain the why for it. And if you can't explain the why for it, you can't share it clearly. The next thing is effective yoga cues tend to be action cues, which really doesn't require any specialized knowledge in anatomy. However, <laughs> even when sharing action cues, the what you're not saying, which is understanding the anatomy, is what gives the action cue more applicability to the body, which in turn creates more connection. Like a perfect example of that is if I say in warrior two, let's say the right foot is forward and the left leg is straight and back. If I say, tuck your right hip underneath, that, I mean, it is a bit of um, an anatomy-based cue, but I'm not sharing the why, which would make it even more of an anatomy-based cue. So you could sort of make the case that it's an action cue, tuck your right hip under. Now I know the why for that is because I want them to create more external rotation in that right hip but I'm not saying that. But the fact that I know that means I can appropriately share the cue to tuck your right hip under. And further, if I see that people aren't really implementing it in the way I want, I can restate it. I can reframe it. I can't do that if I don't understand the why behind the cue. I mean, guys, this is like the biggest thing about the benefit to truly understanding movement, i.e. anatomy as a teacher, you have so much more power and so much more, and I don't mean power in a, <laughs> you know, I have power over you. You have so, you are so much more empowered to connect with your students because you can really share cues that will make an impact on them. So that's the third one. Number four. With permission, provide clear assists. Now, I don't know, I would love to actually hear from some of you. Are you assisting your students in class? And by assisting, I mean, you know, hands-on assisting. Are people doing this anymore? I feel like um, it obviously was a big part of what we did as teachers. And I know for myself, I did a lot of assisting in the first probably 10 years of my teaching. Um, and then with kind of the greater awareness that came out of the Me Too movement and just a lot of really good, difficult, but healthy conversation that was happening in the public domain about people having agency over their own body, about inclusive languaging, about inclusivity, all these topics that are just so important. I feel like, and this is where I'm looking for you all to give me some feedback. I feel like assisting maybe was influenced by that and people don't assist students as much. So let me know, send me a DM on Instagram and let me know if, if any of this rings true for you or what, what's happening. I'd love to actually do a deeper dive on assisting in an episode, a future episode. So also let me know if you'd like to hear that because I have a lot of techniques around um, assisting that I can share. I'm just wondering if it would be relevant for you. So let me know. So this tip though about assisting does of course assume that you are doing some assisting. And I will say the biggest challenge with assisting for your student is when you don't know what the hell you're going to do and you're just going into their space anyway. And so if you're looking, let me frame this in the positive. If you're looking to build good connection with your students, 
by giving them assists, you have got to know what you're going to do before you put your hands on them. I mean, I have so, so much content on assisting that I can share. So again, let me know if that would be valuable for, for you to, to hear. Um, I'll just kind of leave it at that for this conversation. You've got to know what you, what you're going to do before you even get within their personal space. So, you know, that basically means as you're walking up to that student who's in downward dog, you can't be thinking, hmm, how am I going to help this person? You've got to know I'm walking up to that person. My main objective here is to help them lengthen their spine. To do that, I'm going to stand behind them, put my hands on their hips and gently pull back. You've got to know that before you get within probably two feet of them. Because as soon as you get within a couple of feet of them or inches of them, if you don't know what you're going to do and what your purpose is, your feet as they're in down dog are going to be sort of tentatively walking around the person. And that person is now all of a sudden watching your feet, not in their own practice. I mean, there's a lot more I can say about this, but I think you get the drift. So the converse is if you want to build good connection through providing effective assists, you walk up, you do the assist, you communicate non-verbally, of course, by your actions, which include hands-on, what you want to communicate and you leave and you go to the next student. So that builds connection because the person receiving the assist is like, bam, I get what that teacher did. I totally get it. It wasn't intrusive or obtrusive. It was effective and clear. And that's where connection lives. It lives in that space of clarity, not in a space of confusion or anything else along those lines. So that's that. The next one. Great way to build connection is to reframe cues as needed. I'll give you a perfect example. My boyfriend and I communicate in completely different styles. And so we get into a lot of these little mini arguments where he feels like he's communicating something effectively. I don't get what he's trying to say. And so we end up at an impasse. And many times I'm just like, Ben, <laughs> you're just not a good communicator, which I know is not an effective relationship statement to make, but I just am like, oh my God, if I worked with you, I would be crazy. <laughs> so one of the examples was yesterday, he got a golf bag for a travel, uh, for a trip he's going on, but he already had a golf bag. So I was saying, hey, why'd you get this golf bag if you already have a golf bag? And what he was trying to say was that the golf bag he got was essentially going to cover the golf bag he had. So the one he had was going to go inside this new one, but that's not what he said. I can't even remember exactly what he said, but it was really unclear. So I just kept saying, I don't get it. I don't understand why you have this new bag if you already have a bag. I mean, again, I don't care. Buy as many bags as you want, but it's just a little strange to me. So finally, after like 10 minutes, he came up to me and he said, the one that I got today that one goes around the one that I have. The one that I have is going to go inside. And then I put this other one on the outside and that's how I travel with it. And I was like, oh, I totally get that. So that's a reframe. It's not really a reframe truly in the sense of neuro-linguistic programming or neuro, uh, NLP, but it is a bit of a, or a rewording you could say. And that was how I understood now what the deal was with the bag. Now for your students, and the reason I share that story is not to, <laughs> not to share my relationship issues with you. It's not really an issue, but you know what I mean? Um, but I share it because it wasn't until he restated it in a different way that I understood the point of it. And so your students, when you are teaching, and this is again, another reason why it's so important that you do not practice with your class, they need you to see them so you know if they're not getting it. And by it, I mean the cue you're sharing. And so if you need to restate the cue, 
that's going to be something you're inspired to do because you're seeing that they're not getting it. And so a great way to build connection is to restate the cue and then see right action in your students. And that's a way that the students will feel like, you know, this teacher sees me. This teacher is seeing me because I was doing something one way. They realized that I wasn't really getting it. They restated the cue and now I'm getting it. And I feel so much better in the pose. And it's because they were really seeing me. Friends, this is how you build connection with your class. And I promise you, the more you understand about movement, the more you will have at your disposal for this restating. You cannot be empowered to restate cues when all you have is that script. So more, more support for investing in understanding anatomy. The next thing, next way to build connection with your students, offer modifications. Now, having said that, I am not really a proponent for offering modifications all the time, just sort of as a blanket statement. I'm more uh, of an approach that you offer modifications as you're looking at students and it appears that it's needed. However, not in a way that calls out the student. Oh, Sally, why don't you put your back knee down? Oh, Jim, why don't you blah, blah, blah. I, I, never, I never quite understood that approach. And again, since we're talking about connection, I mean, some teachers might feel, well, isn't it great that I know the student's name? Isn't it great that I'm, you know, that I'm, you know, I don't want to say calling out a student, but referencing a student by name, even if it's a positive thing. Like I was in a class the other day, which is a whole other story. I actually took my first live in-person yoga class in two and a half years. I hadn't taken a live yoga class since prior to the pandemic. So it was very emotional. Um, and the teacher said something like, Karen, I, I love what you're doing there. And so, yes, I love that I was acknowledged. I love that. And at the same time, it feels a little, um, I, I want to say almost, it feels just, I, I really don't want to say anything that can be construed as negative because I don't want to, let's just, let me just say it this way. Offering modifications can be something that you sort of globally share without referencing a particular student who might need it because we sort of know that students don't want to modify to regress the pose. <laughs> and we're not typically calling out modifications that progress the pose. It's not like we're saying, hey, Sally, why don't you go do a handstand there instead of what we're doing? Or why don't you go do shoulder stand since we're, I mean, I guess you might offer shoulder stand instead of the Preeta Karani. The point is, and this, you can do it however you want, I guess I'm just offering up this idea that yes, offering modifications is a great way to build connection. And at the same time, you can do it in a way that number one, because you're not practicing with your class, you're seeing them clearly. Number two, that means you can uh, appropriately offer connections, meaning it real offer modifications, meaning it really makes sense. And at the same time, even though you're seeing it might be applicable to one student more so than others, or maybe you're inspired to share because of what one student is doing in particular, you don't have to necessarily say, John, put your back knee down in this pose. Why don't you try putting your back knee down, blah, blah, blah. You can just throw, throw it out there. Hey, if it's helpful, put your back knee down. Now, you know that you're sort of directing this to that one person. Um, however, you're just doing it in a way that's not so jolting to the nervous system. I mean, I sort of, that's what I sort of feel like. I sort of feel like when you call a person out by name in the middle of a flow experience, all of a sudden now they're in their head. Oh, I heard my name. And you know what that's like from when we were little kids in school, it's like Karen here, John here, you know, or, or you're in those, those dreaded corporate meetings when everybody has to go around and share. And you're like, or maybe at a, a, teacher training and everybody's got to go around the room and share. And you're just like waiting for your next, you know, for the person before you to go. So it's your turn. 
So again, just kind of keeping things in flow, keeping things in flow. Uh, okay, so the next thing, and this really applies to if you're working with people privately, creating custom sequences. Like what a great way to build connection to create a custom sequence for a student. Now in a group class, a way to do this is when someone asks you a question after class about something going on in their body, you can come up with a custom short sequence for them to address their concern. Of course, you have to know how to do that. And that of course is grounded again in your knowledge of anatomy. However, that is a great way to build connection. When someone hears from you, how to do a certain number of poses when someone gets from you like quote unquote yoga homework, when someone that you're working with privately sees that you're hearing what their concerns are, that you're learning about them as a student, that you're learning about their body, that you're learning about their challenges and you're creating a custom sequence for them. That is a way to build connection. That person feels acknowledged. That person feels seen. That person feels like you are there for them, you're doing something that will benefit them. So that's another way. Okay, the next one is a really obvious one. A great way to build connection with your class is to smile, right? Smile, you are happy you are there. Now, granted, you're not gonna be smiling all the time. You don't wanna take them out of their experience, but maybe at the beginning of class, of course, the most obvious time you walk in, you're like, hi, hi, everybody. So glad you're here. When I did my workshop yesterday, it's the first thing I did, I walked into the room and the Zoom thing was already on. I was like, hi, it is so great to see you guys. I'm so glad that everyone is here. So that's a good way to build connection. I think enough said there. The next thing to build connection is to be authentic, to be yourself. I mean, I remember when I was a new yoga teacher, I was so not myself. I sort of was trying to sound like my mentor. I was so caught up in like just things yoga teachers said, things yoga teachers wore, drinks yoga teachers drank. Oh my God, all this baloney. And so I almost felt like I would come into the studio draped in this other persona, this other voice. And it wasn't until I could shed that and really show up as myself that I could say, I am authentically showing up. And now I do that all the time. I don't even think about it. Even on this podcast or on this podcast, on my Instagram, all the videos I do, all these episodes I record over 200 episodes, I am 100% myself. And so that's what I want for you. I, and, and you may already be doing it, which kudos to you. However, if you're not there yet, what's holding you back? What are you afraid of? What are you afraid is going to show? What are you afraid is going to come out? Like there was a lot that I was afraid of as a new yoga teacher. A lot of things that I was afraid of getting called out for or afraid of making a mistake or afraid that I wasn't popular enough or afraid that my classes weren't big enough. You know, I think of all the baloney that they told me. People vote with their feet. Oh, fuck that. Sometimes it's just that your class is at a shitty time of day and that's why you don't get people to come to your class. You know, like all this kind of stuff that I was, you know, I'm, I don't want to go off on a rant here. So, I mean, the point is you can be authentic if, however, if you feel blocked to that, it's helpful to examine why. Because when you show up authentically, you build connection. I'll give you a perfect example. I watched the Emmys last, uh, this week, which for you will be last week by the time you are hearing this or whenever you're listening. I watched the Emmys, right? It was on uh, here in September. And there were two people in particular that when they received their Emmy, built connection, deep connection with 
the audience. And this is like a Hollywood audience, so I guess you might have your own feelings about that. But again, it's a group of people. So one was Jennifer Coolidge, who I don't know a lot about. Uh, she's an actress and she won for White Lotus, which I did not watch, which I sort of feel has yoga overtones because it takes place at like a resort where they, I think they offer yoga. Um, and so Jennifer Coolidge, who has a long, she's from Massachusetts, actually, has a long history, long resume, long acting resume. And she never won an Emmy and she won an Emmy. And I don't know if you saw the clip on Twitter or on the internet, uh, on TV, it was on the news. She apparently had taken a bath in preparation for getting dressed up to go to the Emmys. And it was a lavender bath. Now, I have never taken a lavender bath. I guess she had, or you can have, maybe this is a common thing, a reaction when you take a lavender bath that you swell up your body, just like almost like an edema of sorts, like absorbs, maybe it's like an herbal thing. And so when she walked up to the stage to accept her Emmy, and she was in a fairly form-fitting gown, she was going on at first about how Full. Like she said, I feel so full right now because I took a lavender bath before and I'm just so full. And then as she was trying to move from that to thanking people, they were playing her off with the music. And she said, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. Wait a minute. And she started dancing to the playoff music, you know, playing her off the stage. It was absolutely endearing and heartwarming and the audience loved it. And she built connection. The next person later in the broadcast that massively built connection was Lizzo. First of all, she was wearing a huge ruffled, and I don't mean huge in terms of size. It was just a big dress. It had ruffles on ruffles on ruffles and it was red. There was no mistaking Lizzo. And I remember recently on TikTok, somebody was reviewing the dress she wore. There was another awards show recently that was similar to this one she wore, except it was black, not red. And a lot of people were saying, oh, it looked like a trash bag or this, that, the other thing. And granted, when I looked at it, I thought it wasn't super flattering. And then when I watched this fashion designer doing a split screen on TikTok, of her walking into this other award show in this other dress that was similar. What this woman was basically saying was, this fashion designer was basically saying, you know, Lizzo is someone who all her life, people were sort of telling her, be small, be small. And this was a way for her to make a statement. I am not gonna be small. And Lizzo, now that I think about it, the TikTok I saw was actually Lizzo doing a split screen with this fashion designer and then behind the fashion designer was the video of Lizzo. And she was basically giving a thumbs up to this designer. And she was basically non-verbally by giving the thumbs up saying, this woman gets me. This woman gets what the point was and the motivation was behind me wearing that dress. And it was so instructive for me to see that because Again, it really gets to what is a person's motivation is sometimes not what we think, you know, and like you could look at that and you could be like, oh, that dress is not attractive. Oh, that dress doesn't make her look attractive. When in fact, her motivation for wearing that dress is driven by something, first of all, deeper, way deeper, way more meaningful, way more tied to her authentic way of being. And so in the Emmys the other night, she came up to the stage. She was in this beautiful red dress that again, had lots of ruffles and it really made a statement. And I don't wanna misquote her. You can go online and read it or watch the video. Essentially what she was saying, and she was accepting an award for a show I've never seen, which was apparently a show she did recently that was a bunch of women competing for spots to be dancers, backup dancers for her. And I think she sort of like 
catered the show to like bigger women, there was something in the title. I can't remember what the title of the show was, forgive me. And so in her acceptance speech, she basically was accepting an award for that show. And she had a whole bunch of women who were in the show, in the audience. And she was given like constant shout outs to them. And she said, all the years I was growing up, I kept looking for people like me on TV or in the performing arts. And it, I never realized it, it was me that needed to show up and be that person. I needed to be the person to inspire me in a way I wanted to be inspired when I was a kid. I was waiting for me to show up. And this is what I want for you. Don't wait for you to show up. Show up now. Show up now. Wear that big dress. Right now I'm speaking to you, of course, metaphorically. But I mean, have the fucking balls of Lizzo to just be you. That is the way you're going to build connection with your class. Honestly, honestly. Okay, enough said there. The next one to build connection is completely related to the one I just said, the showing up authentically. And that is the following. Be seen. Be seen. When you are practicing with your class, you're not being seen, you're hiding. When you're demoing, eh, you're sort of hiding too, but not as much as when you're practicing with your class. When you're teaching from the back of the room, from the side of the room, you're hiding. I always wonder, like, I used to take this class at one of the studios I taught at, and there was a teacher that would go to the side of the room, lean against the wall, and then slide their back down the wall. So they were essentially sitting in a squat, leaning against the wall, cueing, you know, teaching from the side. And I sort of got the sense that they were really into seeing the students. So it was kind of like, almost like an experiment for that, not an experiment, almost like a, a laboratory kind of scenario for them where they were, you know, kind of in that, that, they were kind of in their head, like, oh, I'm watching these students, almost like at a zoo. <laughs> I'm watching these students and I'm giving cues. And I think the, the motivation behind it was really good. However, you're not being seen like that. That's a hiding in a way. Stand in front of the class, be seen. And at the same time, know that, of course, it's not about you. And quite frankly, no one's really looking at you anyway. If if they're looking at you, it's because you're creating a dependency for them to look at you. And I'm speaking to you if you're practicing with your class, if you're feeling like all of these people, quote, need to see you do it in order to know what to do. They don't. However, let yourself be seen. Walk in and smile. Don't have a mat down. Make eye contact with them and then allow yourself to stand there and see how does that feel? Are you like freaking out? Like, oh my God, everybody's looking at me. If you are good, sit with that feeling because that is what we want to be able to move past. We want as teachers to be seen and we want to allow ourselves to be seen and be okay with those feelings it brings up. Okay, enough on that. Uh, and then the last one to build connection with your students is stay after class. Stay after class and answer questions. If there are no questions, stay anyway. You know that there are those people that have questions and they're just too afraid to come talk to you for whatever reason. I don't understand why that is. So just hang out and just see. Like even yesterday when I did the workshop, it's always a real bummer for me. And just know this, if you ever come to one of my workshops, when nobody asks a question at the end, it's just like, oh God, I mean, there must be something you have a question on. Again, this is what the difference is between passive learning and active learning. I always have questions at workshops I go to. I always ask questions and I don't care if I'm on Zoom or if I'm live. And in part, I do it of course, to get my question answered. I also do it to state something that I want to ensure I understood correctly. And I also do it 
to acknowledge the person that did the workshop. And I don't mean that like I need to be acknowledged, but to let the person know that I'm here and I hear you and I see you and I am participating in this. I am alive. I am breathing. I am here because I want to be here because I want to learn. And know also when you go to workshops and you don't ask a question because you're nervous to speak up or you don't think you have anything of value to share, that's also related to not being seen. When you are willing to be seen, you use your voice. You ask a question, you unmute yourself. You put your camera on when you're on Zoom. And I know there are exceptions. People are running around in my house or my house is a mess or I'm eating dinner or whatever it is. For the most part though, you let yourself be seen. All these things also apply to that. So, in this regard, staying after class, you know, seeing if there are any questions. Sometimes you have to just hang out a little bit and just kind of by your presence, you, you encourage people to speak, you know? So that's why I was saying last night after the workshop, I, I kind of hung on the call and there were a number of those little tiles on Zoom with people's names. No one had their camera on, so I couldn't see anybody but they were still there. And I, I just was kind of gently saying, so any questions, any questions? Okay. You know, and no one asked any questions and, and that was okay to a certain extent. I want people to ask questions because I want to know where you're at. I want it to be a value to you. So the point of this piece that I'm sharing with you is that you know, years ago, or even probably like two years ago, when COVID started and everything switched to online, I would get really upset by that and really not upset. I would get really freaked out by that sort of what you could perceive as awkwardness of I'm running the Zoom workshop. No one's got their camera on. No one is asking a question. And instead of just ending the meeting quickly, I'm just kind of being in that zone of silence and letting that be okay. And I can tell you for me as a teacher, that took a little bit, that took a little bit to just be okay with that. And last night at the end of the workshop, when there were no questions, no cameras on, and I just sort of let us sit there for about two minutes. And I just kept like saying, any questions, any thoughts? And I just kind of sat with it and I felt fine. So again, hang out after your classes, see if people have questions, show with your body language that you're available. Don't be consumed with putting away props and all of that kind of stuff. Just hang out and see what happens because that's another great way to build connection with your class. So we are at the end of this episode. I am like, all riled up as I usually am when I do these podcast episodes, because I am so passionate about connecting with you, sharing with you, helping you grow, helping you be a more confident, authentic teacher. That is all what I am about. And I hope that you found this episode interesting, inspiring, educational, motivating, any of those things. And I would love to know what you think. So don't be shy. Send me a note on Instagram, email, any of those places. I'd love to hear. Again, remember, if you missed the workshop on queuing and sequencing, send me a, an email or a DM and I'll set up a one-on-one -on -one session with you. And other than that, I really thank you for your time and listening to this episode. And I will see you metaphorically, I will speak with you, talk to you, connect with you on the next episode of Conversations for Yoga Teachers. Namaste. Hi there. Thank you so much for listening to this latest episode. And thank you so much for being part of my community and for spending some time with me here on the show. I wanted to wrap up this episode with just a quick note. I have a brand new recorded workshop page 
And I'm really excited to offer you an opportunity to watch recorded workshops whenever you want. I have the first installment of a workshop on the page on the website, and it is a short workshop all about how to give effective cues. And so all you need to do to watch this free workshop is go to my website, barebonesyoga.com, and you'll see the listing in the dropdown for recorded workshops. When you click that page, you'll see on that page, the link to sign up to watch that recorded workshop. I'll be adding more workshops in the future to this page. And it's a way that you can access educational and growth information for teachers without having to make a workshop at a particular time. I love to get together with teachers live, both in person and of course online, which is where I'm doing most of my interaction with teachers right now. However, I appreciate that sometimes people can't make a workshop or the time doesn't work for them or they're in a different time zone. So I want you to know that this page can be a resource for you so that as you're out there and you have questions about different things, or you have maybe a half an hour, 45 minutes that you want to devote to your continuing education as a teacher, you can just go to my website, pull up this recorded workshops page, and there will be resources there for you to take a look at. And all of the workshops that I share are all designed at number one, giving you information, and number two, giving you the skills that come from getting that information. It doesn't do you any good if I'm just giving you information on anatomy. If I don't show you how you can use it in your teaching to grow as a teacher, to grow your impact, then it's really not very useful. So all my workshops will have that dual focus sharing a little bit and then showing you how to apply it. So I hope you'll check that out. If you have any questions or feedback, definitely let me know. Just send me an email, karen at barebonesyoga.com. Thank you so much for listening to the show. And I look forward to hearing from you. Namaste.